0: Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain, or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
1: Do solar panels work in winter? Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about Better Solar Energy at B Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Green Life Group, leaders in property services and open space management, at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the first serve, your home of tennis.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the First Serve for this week, coming to you for the third and final week from Indian Wells in the Californian desert, truly tennis paradise. When I'm back in the studio next week, we'll get back to taking your calls and texts, all thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store, fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150 so while listening tonight, you can go shopping at tennisdirect.com.au you'll get a 10% discount wide using the promo code FIRSTSERVE10 On the b Solar menu tonight, I'll wrap up the past fortnight here at the BNP Paribas Open and other on-court tennis news. My feature guest will be the much sought after Paul Anacone, currently part of the coaching team of Indian Wells champion Taylor Fritz, and we'll get the country angle to continue our UTR discussion that we've been having the past few weeks. Well, this week's show, if you'll allow me just for a moment, is dedicated to my 14-year-old Labrador Molly who passed away just a, a short time after watching the Nadal Elcaraz semi. At Indian Wells. I got the call as I was heading to the car. Been a pretty gut wrenching few hours to follow, to say the least, and not being there in person has been really, really tough. And I dreaded it whilst I was away. And for those listening that have lost an animal, you get it. So, Molly, I dedicate this show to you as you were always alongside me as I was prepping the show each week, and it quite simply won't be the same. Sensational Shiontek continues her incredible run. She's going to be the new world number two, but more importantly, she is the deserving
2: winner. For sure, I'm gonna need some time to understand it because at the beginning of the tournament, I wouldn't even you know, think of it. I, wouldn't, I didn't know that it's possible for me to win two tournaments in a row. So it's making me really proud of myself. And for sure, I know that uh, the hard work I've been putting is paying off uh, because yeah, I mean, for the last couple of days, I felt uh, the pressure a little bit more. Um, so I'm pretty proud of myself that I made it.
1: Taylor Fritz is the king in California. He wins his very first Masters 1000 trophy. He ends Nadal's run. And he's the first American men's champion here since Agassi in 2001. It is a day he will remember for the rest of his life. Made all the more special because it's come
2: on home territory. I'm going to have to hold back tears for the next... Every single interview I do, every single encore speech. This is going to be tough because I'm such a... I'm such a happy crier, but I mean, this is just one of those those childhood dreams, like winning this tournament, especially Indian Wells, like this is one of those childhood dreams that you just never even think could come true. So it's, I just can't even, I just keep saying no, no, it's just no way. It's real.
0: And you've done it on half a leg too. I mean, Rafa wasn't quite right, but you were hobbling around this morning. How tight was that decision and, and also how did it affect the way you played? It was
2: just, I, I can't even begin to describe how like ridiculous it is that i was able to to play how i could play today never experienced worst pain in my life i took a couple of change of direction steps and and screamed it was like and i was trying to like honestly i was trying to act tough because i had cameras on me like it probably looked like i was over exaggerating the pain with how loud i screamed when i felt it
0: let's break down the winners thanks to aatc Australasian academy of tennis coaches providing quality coach education Across the globe, courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners, learn locally, coach globally, internationally endorsed, inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. Taylor Fritz. What can I say? The number one American biggest title game has gone up tenfold the last twelve months, up twelve spots to eight in the world, fifteen forehand winners. That forehand is devastating. It's wicked. It's just think how close Demonor was though in that fourth round match I sat courtside. He had his chances, Alex, but as Taylor said in press today, he's found a way to get results that have sent him to the right side of the curve. Nadal incredible competitor. What can you say? When he had the foot issue, a peck issue, back up to three in the rankings, the ultimate competitor was never gonna quit. His first Loss for the year. He'll take a break now. Miami off, and hopefully right for a big clay court season. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz, I need to mention him. Semi final, 15 in the world at just 18. Great to watch him play up close. To go and watch him train up close. Number one certainty for mine. It's it's insane his level uh, that he plays at. His maturity. He embraces the high pressure environment that he's in. It's just going to be a story filled with many great moments, no doubt. Igor Swiatek, number two, closing in on Ash now. Well deserved title today. It's hard to take your eyes off her game. Busy, assertive, in your face, big off the ground. Maria Sakkari beaten today, but up to three. But like the two semis and the slams last year, just not at her best totally today. And that's the next stage of her evolution. Looking ahead to Miami qualifying, so Kokonakis, Fukic, O'Connell, Purcell, Bolt, Inglis, Sanders, Hon to get underway this week. Miami Main draw singles: Deminor, Milman, Thompson, Popper, and Kyrgios, The wild card: Isla Tomjanovic, Sharma, and Darius Sevel have got the wild card. Wild well under Dasher. Great to deal with her the last two weeks, and I've seen her training already in Miami. And to come through qualies and get to a fourth round, she's uh, building really nicely as we've sort of covered through our social media. So main draw. Uh, doubles at Miami uh, coming up this week. Storm Sanders is actually going to play with Katerina Siniakova due to the injury to Krachikova, so the number one and two player in doubles split this week. Stormy comes in, which is great. Stozer and uh, Shui Zhang, uh, and Palasek, Ebden and Purcell, great to see Maddy back. Been hanging out with the Prime Minister and well done on the birth of his child too. It's been a really big few weeks. So him and Max will team up again. First time since the Australian Open. Kokonakis and Kyrios Demonor and Ramos Vinolis. Seville and Dan Evans first alternate as we go to wear. So hopefully there can be an opening there, particularly for Luke. I need to mention uh, Rinky Hitchikata, away from Indian Wells and in Miami, the 21-year-old from Sydney, won the 25K ITF tournament in Bakersfield, about 300 kilometres from Indian Wells in California today, 6175 to move to a career-high 308. So he's building beautifully. Six singles titles at ITF level, 18-7 and seven in all matches played this year. Jed Zetzer from our team has caught up with Rinky in the last couple of hours. Here's a snippet of that, and you'll get the full rundown on our website, thefirstserve.com.au.
3: I mean, obviously, I'm over the moon. Yeah, it's not often you get to hold up the trophy on Sunday. So, yeah, I'm just really stoked and happy with how I performed and competed this week.
4: What is it about the States that you love so much? Because it seems like you're getting your best results there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think the conditions are great for me. I really like the US hard courts. And I don't know, I just feel comfortable over here. Like, I've spent a lot of time here with college and uh, really used to the US conditions. And I feel very at home here. So... Yeah, whenever I get the chance to come back and play here, I'll definitely
4: take the opportunity.
0: Yeah, great win for Rinky, just building nicely. Canberra this week, so we've got the men's 25K, the women's 60K. Go and check out Connor Joyce's chats with Jamie Fuller and Omar Jaseka from the week before the Bendigo winners, who will join a feast of Aussies in Canberra again this week. All the details, of course, of those two chats at thefirstserve.com.au. We'll take a break. My guest tonight... Our feature guest, Paul Anacone, coached the legends of the game. He's up next.
1: Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Green Life Group, leaders in property services and open space management. At GLGCorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis.
0: Welcome back to The First Serve, our third and final week on the road, covering the BMP Paribas Open, simply known as Indian Wells here in the Californian Desert. Brett Phillips with you for another week. Well, Paul Anacomb is one of the finest people I've met in tennis. I was lucky enough to sit alongside him doing TV commentary of the Brisbane International a few years back and have stayed in touch. As a player, highest singles ranking of 12 back in 1986, highest doubles ranking of 3 A Grand Slam doubles winner, a stellar coaching career, coaching two legends in Pete Sampras and Roger Federer, also Tim Henman, Sloane Stephens, and currently with American tennis star Taylor Fritz. I caught up with Paul prior to Fritz's semi-final. Of course, today going on to win the biggest tournament outside of the majors and the biggest tournament of his career. Also, Paul is a TV analyst with the Tennis Channel, so I've had Paul in my ear for the best part of the last fortnight. We sat down for a chat in Tennis Paradise, all thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, ASTE Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check them out, au.
2: My dad told me a long time ago when I was a kid, he said, just do what you love to do. And it won't feel like work. And that's kind of how I've felt. You know, I've felt my whole life. I've been a tennis lifer ever since I was a junior, playing junior tennis, college tennis, played as a pro. And I've just been bouncing around the industry, and I just love it. And ultimately, it comes from the simplicity for me of watching individuals try to problem-solve under pressure. And as I've gotten older, that's what I've become most attached to, to watch the adversity and to see what the players do by themselves, not with the team around them, no substitutes, no timeouts. Just go out there and try to figure it out.
0: Okay, so that that leads me into a a question I was maybe going to ask a little bit later on around the evolution of coaching because we see it on the WTA side where the coach can come out and have that interaction in a match. By the way you've just spoken, you would like that maybe just to continue in the traditional form of coach does the pre-game, the prep. Once the player's out there, you'd like that part of the game to stay
2: as it is yeah but you know we talk about it a lot and and some people want it other people don't everyone's entitled to their opinion but i i've just always felt well first of all now that i do some tv stuff too i see all the on courts and the pre-match do i think that they had about not really i haven't seen anything that wow i'm really glad we got to hear that So i don't think it adds that much value i think that's a little bit of a fallacy that's my opinion i love the fact that it's individual i think that that should be celebrated i think there's so many team sports globally that are wonderful but what other individual sports other than golf i mean in major sports that where you have to and they've got their caddy at least too so i love the fact i feel like the coach's job is to figure out how to give the player the right tools so they can manage whatever the situation is that comes up. That's what I think, ultimately. And obviously there's teaching at the beginning of the tennis journey, which is all the technical stuff of how to hit, which is great too. But ultimately when all that's in place, our job is how do we help them learn how to problem solve under pressure. And whenever you see that happen and work, that's when I take the most pride.
0: You've been coaching a long time now, post your playing career. Just the evolution of coaching in general. I mean, you had a little bit to do with uh, Tennis Australia there for a period. They've had a big, you know, performance review, a big coach review the last two years, and in trying to, you know, put the best people around players trying to emerge in arguably the toughest global sport to try and make your mark in how competitive it is. How have you just seen the evolution of coaching in general?
2: Yeah, it's, it's really tricky. You know, I, I did uh, was fortunate enough to do a number of years of work with, uh, with Craig Tiley and the team and Pat Rafter and, and Wally and, and, and all the good people there. And there's so many pieces of the puzzle that I think Craig is great at, which is following the evolution. You know, you you have Darren down there that can help you with all the analytics and all the analysis stuff, and you have all the great sports science people there. So, it has evolved and has become much more expansive. And I think, in terms of a federation looking at it, I, I think TA has done a good job in terms of trying to stay ahead of the curve. Um, so that's institutionalized coaching for individuals like me. If I'm just coaching a player, it's my job now to get. in For, for instance, I help coach Taylor Fritz. So last yesterday, I get. 12 things from the USTA all their analytics stuff, all the data everything that's going on and I've got to figure out how to take all that information and in as short a period of time give Taylor what's relevant because the last thing you want to do is suffocate them with information because it's instinctive, right? You have just moments to react and act out on the court. So the evolution of the analytics is very important the sports science stuff to me is even more important and that's why people like Rafa can still play the way they play at 35 years of age. You know, The ability to sustain this high level for this duration of time is really unprecedented. It's really happened in the last decade. So for me, that's been very fun to watch. And I listen to the people around me that know a lot more than I do. I'm very comfortable talking about tennis, what I think's been successful, referencing people that I've coached, where I've seen it work, but the sports science experts, the analytics experts, all the people like that, the nutritionists, I try to gather all that stuff and formulate a plan that makes sense in a very clear, concise way for the player because I'm a really big believer in trying to streamline things and not make it too complex.
0: You mentioned Taylor. I think we're all enjoying his evolution. You've been part of his team now for four or five years. We've seen the incremental growth rankings-wise. Paul, I sat courtside at the ATP Cup in my role as court announcer this year and got to interview him a couple of times. And when you sit that close, you could just see on the back of his best year, 2021, how much he'd evolved physically in the ground he was covering. He's got a huge power game, as we know. Tell us about... Working with Taylor, and you've worked with so many of the greats, Sampras, Federer, Henman, Sloane Stevens, many others along the journey, but take us inside working with a young guy like Taylor.
2: It started at an earlier age, you know, I've been with him, I think this is my fourth year, maybe my fifth, fourth, but he had such a good foundation, David Nankin coached him um, before me and David and I are really good friends so David kind of tutored me along so that my learning curve was pretty quick because you have to know the idiosyncrasies of your player right you have to figure out how to say what you want to say the way they need to hear it so it's absorbed and bought into so David helped me a lot with that and the evolution was different because Taylor was so young so my role was a little different it was a little more Directive and dictatorial than it would be dealing with a 28 year old Roger Federer or 29 year old Tim Henman that have done it for so long. So you're trying to mold and convince and get them to do certain things, whereas when you're with an older player, it's more management and slight tweaks. Younger player, you can try to break habits and change habits. And luckily for me, Taylor's had a great team around him. Uh, Wolfgang Oswald, who's an Aussie, whose physio is off the charts how good he is and uh, David Nankin as I said from the beginning USTA has been unbelievably supportive Gina Ball with his strength and conditioning has done a great job uh, as did her predecessor and, and now Mike Russell's been added to the team Nanks David Nankin's now USTA has been working with some of the younger players so he has stepped out and Michael Russell has stepped in Michael Russell's great so Taylor keeps making good decisions and somehow i keep hanging on to my role (laughs) in spite of those good decisions but no it's it's been fun so the evolution's been fun and it's fun to watch him try to get better and the the exciting part for me is you know he's right around 20 in the world and there's still a ton of room to get better his power game is pretty darn good that's why he's ranked so high in that serve and the big power game but all the subtle nuances from three feet inside the baseline to three feet inside the service line still need work and he's 20 in the world still so that's encouraging to me
0: and he's a, a guy who seems I've been out watching him practice here at Indian Wells. He seems like he enjoys being on the practice court. He's pretty diligent. He wants to learn. He's also a young guy that's packed a lot into his life, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. He's you know, he's a father, he's got a young child,
2: um, and he's got a very complicated existence. But he's also incredibly good at compartmentalizing and focusing on his tennis when he needs to, uh, on his son when he needs to, on his personal life when he needs to. on you know he's very good at that. Um, he just needs good people around him, which he's set up pretty well to help once in a while. That's what we all do. Um, but in terms of his desire to compete and the joy to compete, he loves it. And 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 to me. That is paramount. You know, that's why Roger still wants to come back and play. That's why Rafa's play. Because they love it. They're not afraid to win. They're not afraid to lose. And they just want to go out and see what they can do. And that, to me, is how you get to see how good you can be, is losing those fears. And if you can lose those fears and accept what you can't control in the aftermath, you're going to do just fine.
0: So Taylor's one of eleven American men currently inside the top one hundred. It's a big batch and they're all very watchable. I suppose we maybe separate Isner generation-wise sure. and uh, the fact that he's you know still highly ranked at 36 is testament to just his longevity and consistency. But Fritz Pelka, Tiafo, Tommy Paul, her watch play Demonor, who's sure. improved significantly. Quarter we think is going to be an absolute jet. Brooks he's different. We yeah. love we love a point of difference. Yeah. Marcus Giron, he's uh, evolution. I remember I saw him play Demon here. He beat him about three years ago and that was an upset and he's kicked on from there. Mackenzie McDonald, Cressy we enjoyed sure. in Australia sure. and Nakashima is just building nicely. So yeah. are any of these guys, do you think, capable of taking American tennis back to the real healthy days of winning majors? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and to me, you know, this
2: is one of the things that I talked about so much with Pat Refter and, and Wally as well in Australia when I was down there and Craig, you know, it's just like, this is what you want. You want a big pack of players to push each other because it's almost impossible if you're competitive to not get better when you have a group like this. Now, the key is to realize that... You you need more players in each layer of the professional rank. Sure we all want Davis Cup champions, Billie Jean King Cup champions and major champions, but you want more layers, more more layers filled with your players, your players from your nation and that's what the US has right now. And so for me it's very exciting. And who knows, maybe one day Rafa, Roger, and Novak will actually age and not play. And and if that yeah, and and if that happens, why can't they be in that conversation of the next group, that's kind of the best of the rest. The the bad part for all these players that are trying to do great things now is what Rafa, Roger, and Novak have done is so astronomical that the expectations are crazy. But I think, as a tennis person, when they stop and slow down, we're going to see a bunch of different winners which I think will be healthy. You'll still have the best players, I just don't see a legend like those three legend, which is fine. So if that's the case, all these younger Americans that are you know, between 15 and 40 in the world, why can't they be them? They could be.
0: We'll continue with part two of my chat with Paul coming up after the break. You can go shopping at tennisdirect.com.au, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150, 10% off using the code serve 10
1: Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Visit Solar to learn more. GLG GreenLight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. At glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis.
0: Fred Phillips bringing you the first serve each Monday here on the SCN. Well, let's get into part two of my chat with Paul Anacone here at India Wells, continuing the discussion about the big contention of American men inside the top 100 and their future trajectory. Thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre, it's a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north which is tennis for everyone perfect also for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete close to Melbourne Airport. There's accommodation just around the corner. You can find out more by heading to humetennis.com.au Paul Anacone. So outside of Taylor are you able to maybe pinpoint one or two there? Do you think that maybe stand out a little bit more, who've got a little bit more upside in their
2: trajectory. I, I think there's a bunch. You know, that's what makes it hard is there's a bunch of them. You know, I, I think uh, Riley Opelka, because of the serve, you're by default, he should be there. And also, he's an unbelievable athlete. People don't realize how well he moves for seven feet tall. He's a great athlete. Um, Francis Tiafo, who's been struggling with an arm issue, also we've seen how well he can play when he can stay healthy. Um, and, and of course, Jensen Brooksby. I mean, Jensen Brooksby has had a meteoric rise. I, I can't imagine. I'll be shocked if at least a couple of those players aren't in the top 15 and knocking on top 10, you know, in the next 18 months or so, 18 to 24 months. And also, Tommy Paul. And, and you know, Tommy Paul has done some great stuff. He and Brad Stein are doing great, too. It's hard for me to single all of these guys out. He's done great stuff. And, and, and also look at what Sepp Korda has done, how fast – so, you know, they're a little, Seb and Brendan Nakashima, um, and obviously Jensen are a couple of years younger, so they've got more time, but they've all got the tools to be there or thereabouts,
0: which is exciting. So, how do you define success? We talk about this on our show all the time because not everyone can reach those absolute lofty heights sure. of tennis. It's brutal, it's small margins. How do you define well, success? Yeah, it's great. I actually had a call with the Southern
2: California Tennis Association the other day, and we were talking to a bunch of the kids on Team Southern Cal, because I do some help. I help them a bit. And my definition to them, we were talking about success. I said, Success to me, is the ability to maximize your potential or get as close as possible. So whatever that is, if you're there or thereabouts, you're a success. And this is how I was taught. This is what my parents ingrained in me. They just said, we really don't care if you're 6 in the world or 60 or 600, as long as you exhaust all your resources to do the best you can to see how good you can be. And if you do that, then when you're 40 years old and you're sitting back, then you should be able to sit back and turn on the TV and not say, oh, I wish you could say oh, I did the best I could and I'm happy with it so that's to me that's a success you know and then the other decisions are individual of, of what you want to do I mean people oftentimes, people criticize uh, your guy Nick Kyrios, who I'm a huge fan of because of his immense talent and it's, oh if he just tried harder oh if he Nick's going to be Nick he's going to make his decisions and he's going to have to deal with whatever those decisions are throughout his life he, he gets that right so I, I don't have any qualm with what you know he does in terms of his talent it's hard for me sometimes as a coach to see people that talented and go wow if they if they could only but 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 some people can't you know Andre was very irreverent Agassi early in his career he figured it out as he got older Nick is one of my favorites he's one of my favorites to watch he's one of the most awesome talents out there so He's a success based on what he thinks that definition is. And um, in the meantime, I'll just sit back and enjoy watching him play.
0: (laughs) No, it's an interesting point. Just a couple of, before I let you go, and I really appreciate your time. You mentioned the age of 40. I don't know if you've had any dialogue, or how much dialogue you still have with Roger, unabashed Roger fan. We all want to see him finish his career on court in some capacity. And I think he identified April as when he would maybe know a time frame for this year that he's up and running and starting to move again what what are you detecting well I think I, I did speak with him a few weeks back and you know it's, he's in great
2: spirits he's loving his family time which is normal um, and I think he wants to stop on his own terms like every athlete he did mention recently publicly which what he told me as well, which is you know, he's hoping later in the summer, early fall, he'll be ready to go. There's a lot of work to do. didn't sound like he was going to be ready for Wimbledon, but I think he would like to play, and I think it's still a work in progress um, to see how, when, and if he can do that. But I think he's just like every other human being, as he wants to stop on his own terms, um, but he's also going to have to kind of weigh that with what his expectations are and also the kind of pain and what his body can take but he loves to play and so I know he'd love to be out there again and I, I won't be shocked if we see him again um, later in the year.
0: That'd be nice. Other end of the spectrum have you seen in your time Paul and you've been around a lot longer and a lot closer to it than I am but I don't know if I've seen a more impressive young guy it's it will, it's, it's probably Nadal when he was the same age but Carlos Elcaraz to me is something else. He's tennis is an incredible level, his physicality, but just the way he embraces being someone in the spotlight. I've never seen someone more comfortable at a young age embracing just being a professional tennis player. Yeah, when you see that and you hear him speak and know that he's 18
2: years of age, I'm not sure how far he is away from the mould of Rafa Nadal. I think he's very similar in terms of his expectation and attitude. Now he's going to have to deal with the superstar landscape that he's in which takes some doing, you know. He's gonna. Everyone deals with it differently. He's got to figure that out. But he has Juan Carlos Ferrero, in his corner, which I think is one of the smartest things he could do. Uh, he's been number one in the world. He gets it. He knows it. And it sounds like, for all intents and purposes, this kid ticks every box in terms of that professionalism. So, I, I think he's gonna get there. I just I don't think it's a matter of if. It's just when. He's knocking on the door of the top ten already. So if we see him in the. Uh, latter stages towards a weekend of a major this year
0: it won't surprise me at all. Post Roger, Rafa, Novak's been wondering what men's tennis is going to look like. I think we could all agree, and you know we're in it at the coalface week in week out. There's enough talent out there that's going to entertain the masses who come through the gates for many years to come.
2: I, I think so, Brett. I think you know. Look, it's so hard when you walk in the footsteps of these guys. You know, Roger, Rafa, Novak, and Andy as well. I mean, you know, it's just so hard because we've been delivered a product and a generation of stuff that the planet's never seen before. And so now that seems normal because we've seen it for a decade. That's not normal. It's not normal what these guys have done. So we're going to have to be able to come to grips with that and embrace the diversity, which I embrace. I love watching Sitsi pass play, the different styles that he brings, and Medvedev and Zverev, and to see some of these you guys, new guys and you throw Felix in there, Ogial Yassim, and, and, and now Carlos. Those are just a few of the names. I'm going to love to do what I told you initially which is watch them problem solve under pressure because they're going to have to learn now it's a different environment it's going to be fun
0: each slam starting from the French now go to a 10 point Love it. deciding tiebreaker Are you happy that's uniformed oh, across the board I'm so pleased I mean it took so many
2: years and I was shocked because in the last month and a half I've heard two comments two statements from all the governing bodies come together, one in support of the Ukrainian people, which is lovely and and empathetic and compassionate. I love it. And this, that the slams now are going to all, I love the fact that they've done this because I think, I don't know that it bothers the tennis fans so much. But I think it will help align sports fans to get a better grip as to what happens and why, specifically at the end of the majors. And now when they can count on this, I think it's a great thing. And most importantly, Brett, from a player point of view, I put my player hat on as an old-timer. It's not the sudden death of up to 7. Up to 10, you can have a little bit of room for a hiccup. Up to 7, you kind of can't but if it's up to 10, you'll see some comebacks. You'll see a mistake here and there, and still, after a long battle, you won't be totally penalised to where you can't respond. So I really love the balance that it throws.
0: And one last one for you. Just the, the structure of tennis, I and mean, that sort of leads in. You talk about those two uh, decisions, Ukraine and the 10-point tiebreaker. It's a big time in tennis to come, isn't it? I mean, we keep hearing about a possible merger, WTA-ATP, whether it'll ever happen hard to forecast right now is a bit to work through on the back of two tough uh, COVID years competing against other sports you know I've been to the next gen finals a couple of times I've loved some of the innovations there would you like to see some of those innovations come into tennis at the absolute top level the slams the uh, the tour events I mean what what does tennis look like in the next five to ten years well
2: well, my take is the governance has always been a mess you know I've served on the board of directors of the ATP tour for two terms. I've played, I've coached, I've worked for three different federations. So I've seen kind of institutionalized tennis, individualized, the governance between ATP, WTA, ITF, Grand Slam Committee. You know, there's so it's alphabet soup. It makes it really difficult. I don't know that people are ever going to want to give up their fiefdoms, so I don't know how that's going to happen. I pray that someday a smarter person than I will be able to figure out how that could happen because I think that uniformity will exponentially grow the value of the product that we put out there, which I think is going to be important for players and individual contractors over the years. Now, that being said, that's the business side of it. I think it would we're really short-sighted and short-changing ourselves to do it because we can't bring our fiefdoms together. Now, in terms of the other stuff, all the trials, I, I love the fact that they're trying them at next gen, and, and maybe they can try them at some of the 250-level events. I, I think there should be a couple events, each year where maybe they try a couple of different things to see how it works but ultimately when it's a player related decision or player and commercial decision they need to decide my opinion's my opinion but I'd like the masses of the players that are doing it to decide what they like but I think that there should be a trial space for it.
0: Well, great to catch up with Paul Anacone here in the desert, a tennis lifer, all thanks to Yarra Tennis Coaching. Eaglemont Tennis Club is just off the Eastern Freeway. Junior and adult programs available. Shane Scrutton, over 30 years coaching experience. His mission is quite simply to improve your game, whether you're a complete beginner or a serious player. So make sure you check out yarratennis.com.au.
1: Better solar, better batteries, better energy with Solar. You'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis.
0: To rent out the show this week, UTR for those that listen to our show regularly has been the focus of ours over the past month. All our shows are archived, of course, at thefirstserve.com.au if you're subscribing through your preferred podcast platform to go back and catch up with our UTR discussion. If you've missed it, we had Tom Larner from the Tennis Australia perspective, a player's perspective through David and two coaches' perspectives in metropolitan Melbourne, Shane Scrutton and Jason Lindemann, and now the country angle with UTR and the bigger picture of country tennis through Paul Ranson and Jason Bassett, junior coordinators at and Lawn Tennis Club and Yarrawonga Tennis Club, respectively. All thanks to Yonex, 76 years of performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. We're seeing a bit
4: of a trending, uh, particularly in the country events, what were once really successful country events. Uh, from what I can tell, just looking at some numbers, are probably down in the vicinity of about 43% uh, year on year from last year to this year and Wodonga appears to be down even more than that. That then just places into question the viability of some of those tournaments. I mean, Jason's from Yarrawonga, I'm from from Shepparton. Just speaking with different people from some of the clubs around Victoria that have hosted significant JT events, there are some fears that uh, those tournaments may not be viable into the future. I think the concern is that uh, the the UTR, the incentive to travel to regional areas has been taken away under the previous system. And, and we all understand it, it had its flaws as well. And you know, there's some great aspects of UTR. One thing that's that appears to be hurting regional tournaments is the fact that there's players are no longer incentivised to travel to regional areas. So whereas in the past, they'd be encouraged to travel to regional areas in search of Ranking points. And I know this is a narrow band in, in the whole game of tennis. It, it concerns most or revolves mostly around the performance area of tennis. Those tournaments that those clubs host go a long way to funding the operating costs of, of clubs throughout the year. And without those tournaments, that revenue is lost. Yeah, it, it's also provides a great experience for regional players to be exposed to some of the best juniors in the country. That adds vitality and, and adds to the culture of tennis in those regional clubs, you know, there's a fear that that's being lost just because of the changes in the system.
3: We had a look at the figures uh, just before we come on, so we ran a tournament in January here in Yarrawonga uh, last, well, in 2021 we had 216 players and this year we only had 132, so that's 84 players down so it's certainly making that tournament unviable. It was done at the same time of the year, same conditions. Nothing had changed whatsoever except for the UTR had come in. Had a look at Wodonga's Labor Day tournament that just has passed, or Victorian championships. They had 231 players in 2021 and this year they had 75. Yeah, a dramatic decrease in both of them. Probably what we've probably both observed, Paul and I as well, as we've travelled around with the, with the kids is there's probably a, there's an increase of kids playing in the uh, uh, open events they're all getting pushed up from the particularly the 14s and the 16s and they're pushing themselves up into the open events because they want to play and prove their utr so they don't want to play 14 and 16 so all of a sudden there's that there's no no kids playing 12s 14s and 16s and if they are they're all pushing themselves up or they're the kids aren't getting a good hit, so there's just not the amount of kids in the draws, so it challenge has challenges within itself.
0: Is there any upside to UTR, or is it just going to be to the detriment, really, of Australian tennis?
4: I think UTR's got its real benefits, particularly at a local level. The ability to be able to group groups of players' like ability together, there's no doubt that will help their development. And it can even have its place at the performance level as well. But I think it's a matter of trying to find a way of dovetailing UTR into the elements of the of the previous system that worked well. So that, you know, effectively we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater uh, in bringing this new system in. I mean, the old system had its faults, but it also had its positive elements as well. And I think it's just a matter of finding ways for the UTR, yeah, to um, to to dovetail with those elements of the old system that did work over the past couple of years they did use utr in in combination with the ranking system things like acceptance lists and i heard jason linderman talking on the on the show he was talking about how you can use utr to define entry levels into various Classifications of tournaments, whether it's bronze, silver, gold, platinum, etc. So I think it's got a role to play, but I think when it's just used purely as a ranking system, there's flaws emerging that that just need some urgent attention. We continue to see numbers fall like that. I mean, you know, when you get a, a sponsor like a Quest Apartments, for example, are sponsoring a perhaps sponsoring a tournament, and they see entries that are down by sixty or seventy percent. All of a sudden, they no, no longer see any benefit in sponsoring that tournament. So therefore, the club loses a sponsor. The effects you know, tend to snowball. Yeah, you know, Jason touched on it just before too. There doesn't seem to be genuine under-12s or under-14s events anymore. All those kids are pushing up into older age groups in the belief that it's assisting their UTR because they're playing against stronger players. So therefore, some, you know, the social fabric of the game is being lost. Uh, there's a lot of social bonds that get formed, a lot of friend- lifelong friendships that get formed from kids playing, playing tennis. Because of this shift in where kids are playing, they're playing up, you know, as much as two age groups and and open tennis, which is leaving them susceptible to injury. But it's also means that the tournaments are losing some of their identity. You know, our kids and other kids around around the state are grappling with, you know, where do I play? What events do I play? And those sorts of issues. We've got boys,
3: and I've got daughters as well. And the, I think the boys' tennis might might pull through this. Uh, I think there's probably enough there to keep it going, but the girls. Tennis is just a whole new story. There was never that many kids playing. We go to tournaments and um, my daughters are lucky to see the same sort of kids at, at different tournaments. And And the draws were very, very small to start with, particularly in the country. And now they're just diminishing diminishing on top of that. So yeah, it's a real issue for um, trying to promote female tennis in,
4: in the country.
0: Do you feel the love coming from the governing bodies?
4: The focus is on metropolitan areas. Uh, And not on country areas, and I think yeah, part of that is probably uh, showed itself a little bit in the in the new competitive play framework. Actually, it seemed to me there was paragraphs there that where it seemed there was an uncertainty as to how UTR would affect regional tennis, and yet without a solution to that, it was rolled out in any case. And that you know that perhaps symptomatic of where the attention lies. There's probably an acceptance that this could work in metropolitan areas, so we so it was rolled out in any case.
3: Probably the Pat Cash Cup recently highlighted a bit of the issues bred around our diet country tennis is at events Uh, they have 12 and unders, 14 under, unders, 16 unders, and 18 and unders, boys and girls. So you have to find two boys and girls in each of those age groups. Melbourne teams always fill them easily and come up and have a great weekend. This time we only had a Goulburn team and a uh, Bendigo or Loddon team. And there's a northeast team, but potentially it might have only been because it was in their backyard. And there was no other country teams at all participating in that. We just copped a hiding in all, all the events. The skill level of our kids are just falling behind for further and further and as we go along. And we've been to that event, Paul and I, probably for five, six, seven years sort of thing. And it's just, it'll be harder and harder for us to get teams because we just can't compete at all. So the kids get belted and don't want to come next year. So that is a genuine yeah, genuine worry about where we are with country tennis and the amount of coaching and the availability of uh, yeah, money and opportunities for that. And potentially UTR has potentially affected that as well in that the Melbourne kids they can go and have a UTR tournament easily on the weekend. They've got the weight to numbers and adults as well. They can go and have the, the bands. They can find their seven to nine band or their nine to 11 band or whatever they're at in the country. We just don't have access to that. So we're in Yarrawonga three hours from Melbourne and our kids just wouldn't have any chance of reaching or playing against any kids at their level without without trailing to Melbourne, aside from a couple of kids in Shepparton and that's it. So it's... Um, it's very difficult to improve their utr
0: obviously i imagine this concern is sort of spread across not only your areas very prominent uh, towns in victoria but this is seems to be a concern of other parts of victoria as well
3: yeah absolutely We're, we're sort of we know everyone sort of in the country so we go and talk to people the tournament directors and they're very very worried about the viabilities of the tournaments and the numbers and the yeah ongoing future of of tennis in in the, in the regional areas. That could be extended through to country New South Wales. And yeah, I certainly know Tassie's in probably the worst boat than us because no one's going to travel over to Tassie to play. So yeah, the rural areas outside of probably outside of Melbourne and Sydney, I think they're really going to battle with this new system.
0: If you're sitting around the table now, what are a couple of the key things that you'd put on the agenda that need to be addressed immediately and where you might be able to create some good solutions?
4: I think the number one priority, Brett, is that There is a regionally specific strategic plan for regional tennis that it's not just a part of a general plan that's focused on metropolitan tennis. So it has to have regional input and be focused on regional solutions. That would be my number one priority. It needs to be backed with support and resources that are specific to to regional centres. It's one thing having having something on paper, but it's it's obviously critical that that's backed up with funding and resources. There's been steps made, but I feel as though the focus is definitely on metropolitan areas. They have this program called Super TENS. I don't know whether you're aware of it or not, but it's, it's like a talent ID program. When you tell parents of other sports this, they just stand there and disbelief, but they pulled the funding from all regional areas, but retained it in metro areas. Probably the, the turning point to me where that indicated where their focus was. And it feels like that's where it's been ever since. Although, as I said, there's been there's been a couple of pointers in the last probably 12 months actually to to giving regional areas a, a little bit more attention, but you just wonder whether it's um ticking boxes as opposed to genuine.
3: Paul and I don't want to sound too negative about our tennis experience. We've had a hell of a time with our kids and we wouldn't swap what we've been through with our kids for mm. anything. We've made lifelong friends ourselves. The kids have made lifelong friends and it's been it's been just sensational. But I guess we fear for the next the next lot of kids coming through, and, yeah. and 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 our kids are at stage where they can play open tournaments now. They're they're through it, but um, yeah, it's the next the next lot of country kids that I'm real worried about.
0: Paul Ranson from Shepherd and Lawn Tennis Club, and Jason Bassett from Yarrawonga Tennis Club will continue the UTR discussion next week on the show. Uh, Graham Charlton is going to join me, better known as Woofer in tennis circles. I had a good chat today. We just couldn't quite link up, so we'll hold over that chat. To next week. We tweeted out over the weekend that there's going to be an ABC TV three part investigation into Tennis Australia across a range of topics and issues. I can tell you that a number of people have been interviewed by two ABC journalists. I'm awaiting further information. So all I can say at this stage is continue to watch this space. I'm chatting to the ABC at some point uh, this week and we'll uh, tell you more, particularly through our social channels. Check out thefirstserve.com.au and right across our social channels, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel where there is uh, plenty to give you your daily uh, tennis fix. Thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Always great to have them on board every week. Make sure you visit uh, anytime, tennisdirect.com.au and use the promo code Serve one zero and to finish uh, one more acknowledgement for my beautiful lab Molly who I mentioned at the top of the show who I learned of her passing only about 24 hours ago whilst on the ground here at Indian Wells and I can tell you it's been really really tough and it'll never be the same preparing the first serve without her at my feet she was my best companion so I'm thinking of you Molly and I'll we'll keep the first serve going strong for you for a long time I'll talk to you next week I'll be uh, back in the studio and we'll take plenty of your calls hit them well take care